This morning, for those of you uh, who uh, might have uh, not heard at the very beginning, um, we're going to be spending the next two weeks in John chapter 15, focused on abiding. What does it look like for us to, to, um, to remain with, to join ourselves to, and to make our home with Jesus Christ? It's an explicit teaching from Jesus to his disciples about what it means to, to abide. And so every year, um, as a church, we'll kind of like set a goal, a, a word, a phrase, something that we want for the coming year. And this year, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but uh, I sent a great deal of fragmentation. Uh, fragmentation in our spiritual lives and the way that we're relating to the Lord, but also a lot of fragmentation in our communal lives and our life together. Uh, there's just through through the stay-home orders early, you know, in the spring and, and summer, and just through some of the patterns that we've been living out throughout this pandemic, there is a lot of fragmentation. There's a lot of separation. And so I think that I have a sense that abiding in Christ and abiding with one another, which is where he'll go later on in John chapter 15, that is what we need to be about as a church community uh, this, coming, this coming year. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump into John chapter 15. There are Bibles around the room. Um, I want you to grab one of those Bibles, if you would, and I want you to turn to John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. I think it's on page 898, I think. Um, I looked it up in 894? 848. Okay, I was close. I was only 50 pages off. Uh, page 848, if you want to just go quickly there. Um, if you don't own a Bible, that Bible now belongs to you. No strings attached. We want you to, to have it, to enjoy it, and to read God's Word. This is Jesus' words to his disciples. This is what he says. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, or my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me connected to me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean or pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing of eternal value, nothing of spiritual value. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words or my teaching abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. There's a purpose here. This is why he's teaching the disciples this and us by way of just transmission over the centuries. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There's the purpose. Fullness of joy. 
between the Father and the Son, the Son and the Father, the Son, Father, and Spirit, and His people. Fullness of joy. So uh, I said this earlier, I will say it again. My goal this morning, if I'm successful at all, my goal is that you uh, would have a greater desire um, to abide with Jesus Christ having um, walking out of the building than you did coming in. That's my goal this morning. It's going to be a simple message, a quick overview of John chapter 15, and then we're going to dig into some more of the nuance next week. But here's the big idea. Here's where we're going this morning. According to Jesus, according to Jesus, abiding in him is the way, is the way to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. According to Jesus, abiding in him, making your home with him, remaining with him, dwelling with him is the way to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. According to Jesus, abiding is the way to a number of non-superficial things that we long for. It's a funny way of saying it, Jared. Yeah, well, that's how I chose to say it. It's the way to a number of non-superficial, the deep stuff that we internally long for. But the word abide, it's a bit out of use in our language. We're not really, we don't really use the word in everyday language. And so I've said it a few times, but I'll say it again. To abide means to remain in or to remain with. To abide means to make your home with. To abide means to join yourself or attach yourself to something. We abide in our abodes. Abode is a funny way of saying your home. It's a verbal noun. We abide in our homes. We remain or stay or make our dwelling in our homes. According to Jesus, abiding is the way to fruitfulness that brings honor to God and honor to his kingdom. So as we start abiding our lives begin to just make fruit. It just starts to happen. Fruitfulness, good works, good things, good words, good presence. It just starts to come. And as that fruitfulness comes, created um, by God through us, it glorifies him and it expands his kingdom. So abiding for us is a win-win all the way. God is glorified through our abiding and our fruitfulness and our joy and we get joy. We get satisfaction. Many of our deepest non-surface longings are fulfilled through abiding with Christ. Here are a number of ways that abiding is a benefit. So Jesus is calling us to abide. It's not a, drudge, a command of drudgery. It's a command that brings all kind of benefit. Abiding is the way to a soothed conscience. It's the way to the assurance that you have been forgiven, that you are God's, that you are a part of the family. Abiding is the way as we abide and our consciences trouble us and we abide, we are reminded of the gospel. We are reminded of what God has done to us and for us at great cost to himself. Abiding is the very best way and the best path to reconciled relationships. As we rehearse just um, how awful we have been, uh, 
toward the Lord and yet how good he has been to us, it creates an internal um, compass within us that begins to then direct us toward desiring or moving toward or working toward incrementally at times reconciliation with other people. Abiding is the foundational. It's not the only way, but it's a the foundational way to overcoming our addictions. Our addictions to food, our addictions to drink, our addictions to the approval of mom or dad or the people around us, addictions to pornography, addictions to whatever it might be that consistently beset us or take us out. According to Jesus in verse 7, abiding is the way to answered prayer. Abiding is the way to answered prayer. Not only that, but it's the way to fruitful conversations uh, that, 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 that are winsome and that, that woo others to loving Christ themselves and then abiding in him. Abiding is the power that enables the church, diverse as we are, socioeconomically, families of origin, racially, culturally. We're a diverse group of people in this room with all kinds of stories. Abiding is the way that we love one another. It's as we abide in Christ, it's the way that we love people who are different than us. As we look to him, to learn from him, to respond to him, to follow him, to stay with him. It's how we will successfully, in the eyes of God, love other people. I've got more examples. Abiding is the way that we grow in our security, that uh, uh, our, our God who is holy loves us. So many of us, like that's the, the internal position of the heart is you're always kind of um, pining after God's affection, feeling like you never have it. And so I got to do, it drives us to like doing and wringing our hands and, 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 and an incredible sense of doubt. But abiding with Christ is the way to rest securely in the fact, the fact that the Father has chosen you and has set his love upon you and called you to love his Son. Abiding is where the strength to forgive and even to love your enemies comes from. Those whose words stick close to you, the people who have wounded you, the people who have failed you, the people who have destroyed parts of your life. Abiding, to say it in a positive way, keeps you sipping from this spilling over well where full joy can always be found. Jesus Christ is the source of our joy. Abiding in relationship with Jesus is how you can glorify God in a million ways no matter which decade of life you're living. Whether you're a kid, whether you're a teen, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, whether you're uh, preparing what it looks like to finish your race. Abiding with Christ is the way that you can please and glorify God no matter where you find yourself. Abiding, it fills and fuels our perseverance and grit too. As hard things come our way, which they do, as suffering comes its way, despair, doubt, whatever it is that assails us comes our way, abiding, staying with Christ, the strong one, 
is how we persevere. It fuels our grit. According to Jesus, abiding him, abiding in him is the way to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. Abiding is like breathing. Um, there's some things that we do at a lot of times during the day and some things that we don't. Like we get up at, at an allotted time in the day and we'll eat at allotted periods during the day or we'll exercise at allotted periods during the day. But breathing is not one of those things. Abiding, rather, is not one of those things. Um, and breathing is not one of those things that we just like, we don't just get in our breathing in the morning and then move on over the course of the rest of the day. Abiding is like breathing in that sense. Abiding promotes and sustains our spiritual life in a similar way that breathing promotes and sustains our physical life. In John 15, um, what Jesus is doing here in this passage is he's using agricultural language, the language of a gardener and a vine and branches and fruit. Um, He's using this agricultural language to make clear a spiritual reality, and it's he's plain about what he means. Like as we just read through this, anybody can get a general sense of what Jesus means here. Um, there are branches that will stay meaningfully attached to the trunk or to the vine, and there are branches also that are only superficially connected. And over time, uh, they appear uh, maybe at first glance to be alive and to be connected and to be vitally connected. But over time, there's an obvious lack of fruit, and they are withering. And so what this, um, what this is, what this illustration from Jesus is, is it's a true instruction for you and I. Um, our life and our fruitfulness for God comes from God. Our life and our fruitfulness for him. What we want to do for him, what we have a sense that he's calling us to, it actually is empowered by him. And so a disciple, a follower of Jesus, doesn't graduate from abiding no more than you would ever graduate from breathing. It's, it's, it's discipleship 101. Abiding is. If you abide, you will bear fruit. So the point isn't like, I need to bear fruit, I need to bear fruit, I need to bear fruit. The point is, I need to abide. I need to abide. I need to abide. And fruit will come. And as you bear fruit, according to Jesus in verse 8, as you bear fruit, there is no question that you are a disciple of his. <clears throat> To abide with Jesus means we stay close to him. It means we follow his lead. This has implications. We gladly grow. Um, it doesn't all just happen at once, but we gladly grow in, um, in, in, in receipt, um, in our ability to receive what he gives us and what he produces through us. Um, abiding uh, means that there are going to be times when we wait on him. When his timeline is not our timeline, but therefore our timeline becomes his timeline. Abiding um, means that our portions in life, whatever it is, are governed by what he apportions to us. Jesus is explicit here. He is the life source. He is the vine. He is the one who we are to attach ourselves to. There are other things that are competing because in the very first portion of this verse, in verse 1 of chapter 15, he says, I'm the true vine, which means that there are other vines promising life. But he's saying, I am the true vine. <clears throat> I mentioned earlier in our gathering uh, just the sense of fragmentation. I'm, I'm sensing fragmentation in my own soul, in my life. With, I'm not sensing it, I'm seeing it. It's there. 
I'm sensing fragmentation in my life with God, in my life with you and community and our lives together. Um, I'm hearing from you uh, that, that you it's like, it's a struggle. Spiritually, you're struggling. So just by way of hands, this is an honest environment, if you're willing. Um, how many of you read your Bible or interacted with the scriptures less in 2020 than you did in 2019? Not everybody will raise their hand, but some of us will. Be brave. Who are you? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of us uh, spent less time in community with others outside of our family unit in 2020 than we did in 2019? Show of hands. A lot of us. It's myself included on both of those notes. Um, For many of us, 2020, the the year that has gone by has brought disruption to our abiding. It's brought disruption to a host of other things. And disruption isn't all bad. Like if you're, uh, if it's an intense day at work or an intense day at school and you forget to eat, um, it should, you miss a lunch break or, or whatever break that you had to eat and, and you're hungry, um, that disruption can show you in many ways what you need. Sometimes um, disruption gives you a clearer vision of what it is that you actually need. Uh, when routines and spiritual practices are neglected, uh, the soul dries up at least mine does, when I'm practicing abiding and then I move away from it, I have a sense of dryness internally that points me back to um, these practices that, that give me life. Now, I made a critical decision in 2019, in late 2019, that affected all of my 2020. <clears throat> I chose not to read through the Bible uh, in late 2019 in the year 2020. For 10 years solid, I had read, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I teach the Bible, like this is part of um, my job. It's part of my job description to, to stay tethered to the scriptures and to, and, and to teach them. And I've just made it a practice to read through the Bible every year since 2009. And I decided at the end of 2019 um, that I was going to just focus in on a couple of books and I had a general plan, but I didn't really have a plan. And then as March and April and May of 2020 came along, I found myself totally taken out. And this practice that I had been abiding with that was keeping me connected to the big story of God throughout history, to what he's doing, to how he works, to how he relates to his people, to seeing Christ in the Old Testament, seeing Christ in the New Testament, I was no longer tethered on a regular rhythmic basis day by day to God's word, and it affected me in severe ways in 2020. Now, in all of the disruption that that last year has brought, I'm hearing that a majority of us are struggling too. We're just, we're struggling. We're struggling with our spiritual rhythms. We're struggling to to want community. We're struggling to um, cultivate community where it, it just doesn't feel as enticing to have people around your table currently as it did uh, maybe in years past. We've formed new practices. We've, you know, there, there could be fear and there could, it might not even be fear. It might just be an abundance of caution that you're just not as comfortable um, with the kind of communal life. And that, that is totally okay. Um, but what I do know is I know that our spiritual lives and our community lives are fragmented. Fragmentation occurs when small pieces are broken off from the whole. That's what fragmentation is, when small pieces are broken off from the whole. And, and, and in, the, in the year previous, it wasn't that I wasn't abiding. 
just wasn't abiding with Christ in ways that had really cultivated life in me like I had in previous years, and I'm suffering for it. I'm suffering for it. I'm not suffering because God is cruel and punishing me and giving me all the consequences. That's not what I'm saying, so please don't hear that that's what I'm saying. I'm suffering by my own hand. I'm suffering by my own um, daily choices. My phone has overwhelmed my Bible. What about you? The opportunities that media uh, presents has given me countless opportunities to ignore reflection and thoughtfulness. My own distracted mind has flustered me away from focused prayer. Isolation has crowded out space for community and friendship. And if we're all honest for just a minute, we kind of like it that way. It's a little easier to say no to gathering with the local church on a Sunday morning now than it might have been in months previous. Most of us, and the reality is most of us want it. We want, we desire a deeper life with God. We want, do we not? Like we want communion with God. Why else in the world did you get up early on a Sunday morning, wrangle your little children if you have them, and drive down here? You wanted to now commune with God. It's not that you couldn't do that, but there's something unique and particular when the embodied people of God come together and with one voice and singular prayers and singular intent and focus come and worship him together. There's something unique and powerful that happens in this rhythm of abiding. Gathering with the local church is one way that we practice abiding, one way that we continually come and drink from the well of God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. Most of us want a deeper life with God. We want communion with him, but we just don't really know the way there, or we don't know how to break the patterns now that have captured our affections because what we do, what we give ourselves to, what we practice, it forms us. It has a real formative effect on us. For instance, I'm 24 episodes deep into a show on Netflix and I have uh, been enjoying it. And, um, and I actually, I went to my phone to delete Netflix from my phone a week ago and I, and I go to delete it and I'm like, eh, because of the, there's a million shows on Netflix and it was that one show that's like ends in a cliffhanger constantly. I just finished season one. I'm barely into season two. And I was like, ah, I don't, I, I'm not ready for this. I don't quite think so. In that moment, I knew that that show had captured my affections. It had captured my affections, plain and simple. One of my practices over the last six weeks or so has been that I watch it late at night. I'm like in bed, the glow of the phone, earbuds in, watching this dumb show. That's how I have been ending my days for the last six weeks or more. For me, it's become a place of comfort through just ease, mindlessness, excitement, because you never know what's going to happen next. Just one more show, one more show, one more show. The, thing that we, the things that we practice, they form us. 
And the way that we overcome this spiritual fragmentation that we feel and that we experience is by focusing on spiritual formation. The way that we overcome the fragmentation, the sense of distraction, is by not just focusing on not doing those things, but by focusing on something altogether different. Spiritual formation. I used to be a smoker, and um, I I tried to quit smoking um, a number of times, a whole bunch of times, actually. And and as I would start to have withdrawals, withdrawals, I would um, I would begin to just focus on the thing that I wanted. And as I focused on the thing that I wanted, that I was actually trying to get away from, I would quickly go back to it. And it wasn't until I began to focus on something completely different than my addiction that I began to get free from it. <clears throat> so, for example, my struggle in real time is this. I want to, uh, I'm going back to the show on Netflix, the late night watching. Like, I, what I want for the end of my days, what I want, the way that I want to end each day is I want to spend a bit of time um, just giving thanks to God for the people and the events of my day. I want to just consider him. And I want to read something beneficial. But my phone is insanely powerful. I didn't mean for this to be a sermon against our phones, and, and it's not. This is like I'm just letting you into my world, but you probably are, you're, you're probably relating to it in some ways. At least some of us are. Um, it's insanely powerful. And so it, it's like it has a little voice, and it just calls at me, and it overshadows like the time thanking God for my day. Um, it crowds out my time. I lose time on it. Um, and I want to read, read things. I want to read not just spiritual stuff, but I want to read like I like history. A lot. I've got a couple of history books in the queue, and I just want to like read a couple of pages or chapters of those at night. I want to thank the Lord for the events and people of my day, and I want to read something that is good for my mind. And it's through focusing on what I want that I will actually leave my phone plugged in downstairs on Do Not Disturb and not come back to it until the morning. Now, one of the things that I want to do at the beginning of my day is I want to remember the Father, I want to remember the Son, I want to remember the Holy Spirit in the first hours of my day. And the way that I'm going to best do that is by turning my focus to them in the last hours of the previous day. The best preparation for the coming morning is the night before. And as I am gradually moving back into this practice of gratitude on my bed at night and reading something beneficial and not staying up super late, I am more inclined and more just like mindful in the morning when I wake up of God and his work in the world. And I never regret spending time with God in thankfulness. Never. I never have. I've not wanted to do it on the front end, but as I, as, as, I'm, as I practice gratitude, as I'm just kind of praying, letting my mind off the leash, I never, ever regret it. But I often regret watching shows late into the night, staying up too late, getting up late, tired. And as I give myself to this sense of abiding, um, it becomes easier. But there's a ton of resistance on the front end. A ton of resistance on the front end. And Jesus says in John 15, 1, he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. My father is the gardener. Um, in John's gospel, it's important for us to know the context of what Jesus is saying and teaching here. And so if we just back up a, a couple of chapters, in John 13, Jesus, um, he, he washes his disciples' feet. 
And it says right before he washes his... So real quick, the whole context of John, the whole reason that John wrote this gospel was so disciples, any, anybody who read it would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And through this rock steady um, belief in God, in Jesus as the Son of God, that they would then begin to align their lives to him. They would live in reliance upon him. They would trust him and follow him. That's the whole reason that John wrote this book. Now, as we back up a couple of chapters from John 15 and John 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and and John tells us that Jesus knew in that moment that the Father had given all things, all authority into Jesus' hand. He, he, He had all authority in heaven and on earth, and the next thing that John tells us Jesus did was he got up and he served. He washed the grimy feet. It was a practice, a cultural practice in that day. He washed the grimy feet of those who were submitted to him. He washed the feet of his own servants. Moving on from there, Jesus would give a new command and later on in John chapter 13 where he'd say, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. In John chapter 14, Jesus would talk about, he'd give this this exclusive statement that many of us who have read this gospel, we remember. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Later on in John chapter 14, Jesus would promise the Holy Spirit um, would come to all of his disciples and would teach us um, to remember Jesus' words, to conform our lives to his body of teaching. The Holy Spirit would comfort us. The Holy Spirit would counsel us. The Holy Spirit will um, uh, empower us to overcome our sin. The Holy Spirit will empower us to to, um, to, to work miracles and to, um, to, to have a, an incredible authority um, on the earth. He would uh, foretell Judas's betrayal and Peter's denial. So Jesus is uttering like what's going to happen in the future. And then in John 15, he speaks of himself as being the true vine. And he speaks of his father as being the one who directs the vine and its branches. Here's what Jesus, the point that Jesus is making in this statement. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Um, The proposition, every proposition that will follow, every statement, command that Jesus makes in John chapter 15 will follow John 15, 1. Everything, all of it is the father's plan. Jesus isn't like shielding us from this Father in heaven. They are unified. The Father has planned that we would abide in the Son. The Father has planned that through Jesus Christ we would bear fruit. The Father has planned that through Jesus Christ we would experience fullness of joy. The Father and Jesus are one here. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel is described as the vine the true vine of the nations. You can see this in um, Jeremiah. You can see this in Psalm 80. You can see this in Exodus, also in Isaiah. Israel is consistently referring to herself as the vine among the nations, the, the, the nation of nations who God is working out his purposes through. She describes, Israel is described as the vine and also uh, the vineyard. Um, God has established this vine Israel in order to bring about the work of his restoration in the world. But Israel as a nation and as a people, they've wandered away, they've rebelled against God, they've abandoned him and have uh, established their own righteousness. They've added to his laws, they've added um, 
a righteousness of their own, a list of fruitfulness that will then prove her righteousness. And Jesus comes into this context in John chapter 15, verse 1, saying, no, 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 no. I am the true vine. I am, not you, Israel. I am the source of life. I am the Son of God. I am God in the flesh, God among you. I am the Son of promise. You're named after a Son of promise, Israel, but I am the Son of promise, Therefore, I am your righteousness. I am the true vine. The Father is the gardener. I am your power for fruitfulness. If you detach from me, you will not produce anything of eternal value. This was an indictment on Israel at the time. That they had detached themselves functionally from the law of God and from true worship. Jesus also wants uh, us to see that um, he, he, as an individual, he follows his father's lead. He submits to the father's care and direction. He abides, as he abides in his father's love, we're to abide in Jesus's love. And this oneness of Jesus and the father and us and Christ it glorifies the father, it pleases him. At the risk of sounding a bit irreverent, um, the father's heart swells with joy when we so love and trust his son that we keep his commandments. At the risk of sounding irreverent, it tickles him when you and I look to Jesus Christ and find our pleasure in him and desire to obey him. The Bible is teaching this the Father is aiming his most treasured resources at securing your joy. There's a piece of me that upon saying that, like I start to put my guard up a little bit, like I'm getting all prosperity gospel-ish on that. But that's not what this passage teaches what I just said. The Father is aiming his most treasured resource, the life of his Son, at securing our joy. Look at verse 11 of chapter 15. These things I have spoken to you. He's just commanded us to abide in him and in his love that my joy may be in you as you abide in me. And as you abide in me, my joy, your joy, will be full. The Father is aiming his most treasured resources at securing our joy. As we abide in relationship with Jesus, his joy becomes our joy. And therefore, our joyful satisfaction just begins to expand beyond what we thought it could. Uh, a theologian that many of you have probably heard of, a guy named John Piper, the, the kind of anthem over his ministry, it's called Desiring God, is this. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God will be, is, he is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. And we're not going to get full joy by aiming at joy. We're going to get fullness of joy through abiding in Christ. We're going to get fruitfulness, not by aiming at fruitfulness, but by abiding in Christ. And so as we abide, life flows up through the vine, it flows out of the branches, and then fruit comes, and then joy comes at the result. And there is just one thing in all of John chapter 15 that Jesus emphatically commands us to do. Just one. He does not command us to be fruitful. He does not command us to be joyful. He does not command us even um, as an issue of first importance to love one another or even to love God. 
He commands us in this passage to abide in him, to stay with him, to join ourselves to him, to make our home with him. Abiding is the way to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. It's the way. This is the way, to quote a very popular show these days. So you're, maybe you're wondering, like, how do I do that? Okay, like I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm even a little bit compelled, maybe a lot compelled. The Spirit is at work in you. How do I do it? What are some, what are some ways that I can just sort of posture myself to abide? I'm glad you asked. Here are three ways, best if combined. Number one, soak yourself in John chapter 15. And Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 tells you to do nothing. There's not a single command in Ephesians chapter 1. It's all about what God has done for you. Soak yourself in it. Meditate on it. Pray through it. I don't understand this. Go to another translation. Figure it out. Try to get a sense of the meaning. Seek understanding. Ephesians chapter one. Over the next two weeks, I guarantee that your heart will come alive in new ways as you soak yourself in Ephesians chapter one. And then also in this text, abide in me. Eight or nine times in the first 11 verses, Jesus says abide in John chapter 15. Soak yourself in these two passages. Here's the second thing. Listen to the dwell app. We've been, uh, we've been promoting this like crazy. If you, who, who has it in the room? Just raise your hand. Who's listening to it? Most. This is the best hands-down audio Bible app you could imagine. You can choose like 10 or 12 different voices, um, different versions of the Bible. It's very realistic. You can choose different kinds of music. You can tune the music up or bring it forward. You can bring the vocals back. You can create pauses in between chapters to just contemplate. Just begin to listen to God's word. If you've never um, engaged the Bible, like kind of moving through the storyline of the Bible, start with the New Testament. Don't start in the old, start with the new. Just listen through the New Testament. Don't put a bunch of weird pressure on yourself to get everything out of it. Just listen and glean and take what you can. If you want to take a couple more steps or maybe you've listened or you've read through the New Testament and you want to kind of take off, break off the whole thing, listen through the Old Testament into the New Testament. Dwell has different Bible um, audio plans that they will set reminders and just ping you and you can just listen in. It's about 15 minutes a day of listening. Listening is not second rate. That's how the church learned the word of God until Gutenberg made the printing press in the 1600s. The scriptures were passed down orally for 15 centuries, 16 centuries until the printing press. Listen to the Dwell app. And here's the third one, probably the most objections in the room. Kick your phone out of your bedroom. If you want to practice abiding... Well, I don't have an alarm clock. Kick your phone out of your bedroom. There are these things, they're called alarm clocks. They're analog, they're super cool. You plug them into the wall and they work. You could use one of those or use a watch or something like that if you have a watch that has an alarm on it. Kick your phone out of the bedroom and then sometime, this is my suggestion, this isn't a law, so take it or leave it, but you will benefit from this. 
you will benefit just even for the next two weeks. Don't make it an all of 2021 thing. Make it a two-week thing and just see, just assess. Kick your phone out of your bedroom and sometime between getting in bed and falling asleep, just let your mind off the leash and begin to thank God for the people and events of your day, the hard parts of your day. Ask him for understanding. And then read something or contemplate something or think through something and let yourself fall asleep. That's it. That's all I have. We're done. According to Jesus, abiding is the way to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. So I gave you three suggestions. Maybe you've got some other things you've been wanting to give yourself to. Start small. Don't go over the moon on this one. Start small. Where do you have a sense of invitation from God that he's inviting you to press into relationship? Assess what some of the obstacles might be and then focus on the solution. What does it look like for you to practice abiding? Yeah, great. Father, we love you. Um, we, uh, we, we need help. I need help. Uh, the, the resistance within, um, there are a thousand things that I can choose in front of you. It's no good. It's not what produces life. It's not what produces joy. Would you help me and us to be a people who abide? To be a people who want it? To be a people who persevere through the early hard portions of forming new patterns? That over time, a day, a few days strung together, a week, we fall off the wagon a few times, but we get back on. Would you form us? Help us to abide in Jesus' name. Amen.